Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. everybody doing out there? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line. We come to you weekly here from South Florida, and we'll talk about the world of poker. Lots of big news uh, coming out today and yesterday uh, as the World Series of Poker finally, finally, finally was postponed. And we'll talk a little bit about how we feel about that. Uh, I know a lot of people are very interested in their summer entertainment uh, being pushed off into the fall, but hopefully... The coronavirus will um, kind of disappear eventually someday. I, I know we laughed about it when people talked about it in the very beginning, but uh, certainly uh, it is still climbing, and now is not the time to have a huge poker tournament in Las Vegas, especially when you look around the streets, Joe, and uh, it's like a ghost town there on the Strip in Las Vegas. Absolutely. I mean, that's a town that lives on tourism and when very little flights coming in, hotels not being able to take it. And let me tell you, Dave, this is going to affect, I honestly believe it's going to affect the poker world a lot stronger than any other uh, industry, obviously, especially in the casino, you know, gambling industry. Um, think about it, Dave. Even if, let's, let's assume all things go well and in a month or two, let's say the end of the summer, people are saying, oh, this is really going on the way down and, you know, we found something for it. How many people do you think are going to be wanting to play in rooms where there's two, 3,000 poker players, one on top of the other? Well, if you use your head, you, you wouldn't. Uh, you certainly, um, you know, want to practice social distancing. It's, it's worked. Uh, it's obviously saved th- tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives, probably hundreds of thousands of lives. And, uh, you know, people I understand, certainly, that people want to get back to some measure of normalcy and get back to doing the things they want to do, and poker is one of them. Obviously, you can play online for a little while, but it's just not the same. And when you have the greatest tournament uh, series in the world, which lasts six or seven weeks, and people have been used to going out there every year, they want to play, but to be smart, it's just not the time right now. No, it isn't. And like I said, yeah, we are going to have a percentage of poker players uh, who want to do this. But, you know, these numbers, like you said, it's been working. Social distancing has been working, but they're still scary numbers. And, you know, people, you know, our, my wife's cousin has now been in an induced coma for five days. So oh, once wow. it hits I'm every sorry. single family, um, you know what? It, it becomes very personal. And, you know, being that poker has always been a, a, a hygiene uh, cesspool, <clears throat> so to speak, um, I don't know. I, I honestly believe the poker world's going to take a big hit from this for at least a couple of years, you know, until we figure out a way that most poker players are going to be comfortable playing in, in cramped rooms on top of each other. You know, if you've got a room that runs 15 cash games a day, and we know that throughout the country here we have rooms that run 30 and 40 cash games, similar, that's, that's close to being in a, in a medium-sized tournament, you know, are you going to risk playing poker and bring something home to your family? or? Well, friends? yeah, you, you think about the, the simple uh, 
you know, idea of riffling chips and uh, people with the card little chip tricks and things like that have their hands all over the chips. And then you win a big hand, you're raking them into your pile. So, uh, you know, it's just like passing around something with loaded. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Some people have mentioned, well, you know, we can kind of space it out. I said, okay, we have six-handed poker tournaments, uh, you know, table that, are, you know, how many people are going to go play that in a cash game because, you know, Granted, you could play that in a tournament because it's a unique way of playing poker, but cash games aren't going to survive like that. Players aren't going to do that. Um, you did mention online. I, I honestly believe that maybe once this is done with, uh, you know, there is a push for, for us getting, as we've been mentioning for years now on the show, uh, you know, bringing back online poker. And having, you know, whether it's the states or the federal government, you know, oversee and, and set regulations to this. And But uh, I don't know if we're ever going to see poker like we saw it the day before we closed the casinos. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I want to go back to a thing you just mentioned about, uh, you know, having having touched your family and friends. And I think a lot of the people that are protesting out there haven't touched their families yet. Maybe not yet. Uh, if you're from New York or uh, one of the real hot spots in this country, uh, Chicago, uh, New Orleans, uh, Los Angeles, uh, and you've been affected very severely by people around you that you work with, that you live near, uh, you understand it a lot more. But a lot of these people feel like, nah, it's, it's not that big a deal. I can... I, I want to go back to the way life used to be. I need my business. I need to go to work. And I understand all of that. But uh, to walk out and, uh, you know, and have these protests, uh, kind of had to laugh when I saw the, uh, the the people in scrubs that were blocking some of the cars uh, on one of the protests. I don't know if you saw that. But uh, uh, there is another side to the protest situation as well of people that do not – that do believe we're going back too early for some of these efforts uh, well, to and, reopen and just society. So people Dave, just so people understand this, you know, this is um, my wife's cousin's daughter. This is a young lady who's only 27 years old. Okay, she's in uh, lives in New Jersey, which we know is next to New York. I guess the second worst state if it hasn't already overtaken New York. And she got this only five days ago, two days into this. They had to, uh, into, you know, intubation, so they had to put her in an induced coma. They actually have oh. her laying on her stomach in this coma, which oh. would help her lungs. Yeah. You know, and they've had to extend this. So, folks, you know, who's ever listening to us out there, you know, if you're one of those that's, you know, pressing for this to, to ease all the restrictions, just... Just assume a young member of your family, not just an old, you know, the, not, 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 not just a senior citizen, your grandparents or whatever, but just consider it, it could be a cousin, a sister, a brother, you know, this, when, when it hits you like that, then you know this is for real. And like you said, Dave, I think a lot of these protesters just haven't had anybody close to them get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I want to go back to um, the end of March. I was looking at a story, uh, an interview with Daniel Negreanu, and he was certain at that time that the uh, WSOP would be postponed. And a lot of people said, nah, nah, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll try to get it off. Obviously, there's just a tremendous amount of revenue brought in by this event. Uh, it's something that they planned the entire year for uh, a summer of action. But Negranu said, you know, he said, personally, I don't see it happening this summer, maybe in the fall. 
but I would be really surprised if it all blows over by then. He said there really isn't much you can do to safeguard a poker tournament from the spread of germs. That's just what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. It's just I'm looking at this, and actually, Dave, you know, I was reading throughout the week uh, some of the comments that were being made on that on that poker dealer's website, you know, the site that they have on Facebook. Right. And, um, you know, it's true. You know, chips are filthy. I mean, it just in my <laughs> in my almost 30 years of this, I've had people tell me, I had a lady say that, listen, if we didn't clean the chips by tomorrow, you know, that she'd be going to the health department. And this was back in 1994, okay, at the Seminole Classic. Um, you know, I've had to tell people to get up because dealers have come up to me going, the person in seat one who happened to have his back towards me in the pit, uh, you know, you could almost practically see the pus coming out of his eye. He had a pink eye. And I had to get security and have this man taken off the table. I mean, just people don't have considerations for anybody else. I've seen people come into that casino, you know, you could tell they're sick as can be. So in the past, it's, oh, that's just disgusting. Now that it's uh, life and death for most people, you know, we're going to have to come up with a whole new different system especially when it comes to poker, any of the table games in casinos. And for that, for that fact, uh, Dave, machines. How are you going to like to have people sitting right next to each other? You know, that's the lifeblood, that's the bloodline of, of casinos, the slot machines. People, how are they going to want to sit next to each other? And with that being said, I have spoken to a whole bunch of our elite uh, slot players in, uh, you know, at Casino Miami. And yes, they're, they're jonesing to come in, but Nobody wants to put themselves up for, you know, another major outbreak, and this is going to be one of those ways. Yeah. Well, I can remember over the years that many times that you, you had to miss the show because there was something going around in the room that you worked at, and it's just like once one person gets it on your staff, uh, you know, it's there all the time, people coming in and out. And, uh, you know, I'm not even talking about coronavirus. I'm talking about flu and, and just the common cold that just gets passed around in a poker room so quickly. It, 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 well, it, in general, just in casinos because, you know uh, – I equate this to like a school, you know, if you have kids, and I know neither one of you two there, Joe, I know you don't have children, or Dave, but you talk to anybody in your family or friends that have children or any any of them who are teachers, you know, once the school opens up, you know, it's 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 a petri dish for, for germs and disease, and the casino business is the same. I have been sick more often than not this past year because I had been out of it. I honestly believe that I had built up a pretty decent immune system to it, you know, because um, I wasn't getting that sick, but, you know, couple, quite a few years out of the business, getting older, you know, it's it, it has taken its toll on me, and it takes its toll on a lot of people, and employees don't want to miss work because they need their money, as we know now, okay? Right. And the players love playing, so, you know, unless they're, unless Unless they're, uh, you know, running an extremely high fever, uh, you know, they're going to come in. I mean, I've seen it all. Never got scared to the point of where I thought it'd be, you know, uh, life-threatening. But, you know, you have to ask people, hey, you can't come in here, man. You're you're just ridiculous. And then forget about those. Some Some of them were considerate enough to, you know, if they had to sneeze, they'd sneeze into their arm and move away. But I've seen people... 
literally sneeze at the table and people looking at him like, you know, what are you, two years old? And right. this is this is something very serious, you know, that I've only been thinking about this past week, to be honest with you, because of the articles that I was reading from dealers who had posted scenarios, you know, and, uh, and unfortunately, I hate to say that I agree with a lot of them, but a lot of them were were of the doom and gloom uh, for the industry and for dealers. Which yeah, I, I want... Believe Yes. Well, I want to talk about Vegas for a second, but before I do, I just mentioned that, uh, you know, a lot of the idea, it's certainly understandable that people want to go back and do the things they did before. And if you could just trust people to live smarter uh, after this has happened now, to be careful with the social distancing. But the problem is when you open the beaches or the the docks for the boats to go out, everybody is right next to each other. you got a bunch of 22-year-olds uh, sucking off a beer bong or something. Yeah, you just you can't trust the public to do this. You know, it's it's really you can't trust it. You know, this is a country that you're allowed to have your beliefs as long as it doesn't interfere with other people's. And this is where we're going to have, you know, uh, where we're going to see our biggest problems because you have these people who don't believe, oh, well, I'd rather get it and develop antibodies for it. You know, uh, there's been reports now that at least a couple of hundred people around the world that have had it have regotten it. So, you know... I understand. Let me tell you, I don't. I don't know how any of us are going to survive. You know, six months a year if it, if it came to that. Yeah. Um, there's no. For, there, for there's there's no knowledge of. There's no knowledge of whether there is immunity or not. We we just don't know these things yet. And until we do, we really have to be careful. Exactly. And then at that point, if there's something that they're working on, but obviously, this is a you know. <laughs> It's a catch-22. We, we, we don't, we don't want to open up uh, the economy to get people sick, but if people don't start working, you know, we're all going to be living on the streets. So, you know, this is a situation where uh, I don't know if there's a winning situation, you know, a winning uh, choice right now for a long term. For short term, yes, and, and it's proven. The numbers have proven that social distancing is working. And at least in my area, Dave and Joe, I don't know if it's true in your area, but in my area, you know, people are taking the precautions in the supermarkets. You know, one of the few places that I've had to leave my house to do, everybody has been, you know, vigilant on, on social distancing, wearing masks, um, you know. So this end over here by my area, I know they've been doing it. We are, we're the hardest hit county in the state of Florida with over 9,000 cases. But uh, when it comes to death tolls, we're, we're towards the bottom compared to like Broward as far as the numbers are concerned for the amount of cases. So uh, I don't know, Dave, this is just, we're never going to get what we had before. And like you mentioned the beaches, did you see those pictures up in Jacksonville? Yeah, I did. I did. And that was like, that was like the first day. You're right, and probably, and probably not every people, not everybody had found out about it. Right, and let me tell you something. Uh, my my coworker who works with me on the player development side of the casino lives literally a, not even a stone's throw. You know, you could probably spit and hit the boardwalk in there on Hollywood. Um, you know, she says that she was told by one of the police officers that, uh, hey, you know, we're going to open up the beach for regulated hours right around that same time. Once Jacksonville showed those pictures, they squashed that idea immediately. Did they? Wow. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, it certainly makes sense. I want to get into some of the uh, things that are happening this week uh, in Georgia and South Carolina, but uh, we'll save that for a little bit later. Uh, I want to take a look at Vegas real quick here because there's been a couple of reactions that I kind of noted. One from the mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman. Uh, I know Oscar Goodman was the mayor for a long time. I don't know if that's his daughter. It's his wife. It's his wife. Okay. Okay. She calls the whole idea of closing – uh, closing Las Vegas businesses is total insanity. She says there's no backup of data as to why we're shut down, no place to move through the shutdown or how to come out of it. It's being closed is killing us already. And I can understand, you know, that kind of frustration. But put a little more thought into it on the lives that are being saved and the people we're keep, keeping from getting ill. It's, it, it, it blew my mind also, Dave. I saw that earlier. Or just what was it? Yesterday, the day before. Yeah. And I read that, and I was like, "Going, is this woman crazy? I mean, she's 81 years old. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't understand. You know, uh, it makes no sense to open that up. And then, you know, uh, again, it, it just blows my mind that they that they have this thought process. And these are some of the things that we have to protect the general public from, Dave. You know, right. and it sucks when it's coming from one of our supposed leaders of mayors, governors, you know, if, if, if the case may be that they're making these decisions. I know that some of the states are already, like Georgia, I think is going to be the first state to reopen to everything, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, this Friday they're going to open certain things and then a few more things on Monday, like restaurant, a few restaurants and, uh, and places. Uh, but going back to the, what you said earlier about not being touched by it, I mean, this is a perfect example. Nevada has reported just 137 deaths as of April 16th, and, you know, any death is, is horrible to the people that they're close to. But she says uh, we have a population of 3.2 million people living in, and the people that we lost represent less than a half of 1% of our population. And just dismissing those lives, like, it's not a big deal because it's a small number. And, uh, you know, it hasn't touched them like it's touched the rest of the country. Well, Open up those airports and, you know, see, see the people. Let, let them all come in over this next month. Let's see how those numbers are after that. Yeah. You know, it just it, it doesn't make sense that people don't realize that this, you know, I don't know. It, it, some areas are slower to it. Maybe some of them just got very lucky. I, it's hard for me to imagine that Vegas's numbers are strictly that low. I wonder how many people actually have it that were there and flew home once the city had to close down. Oh, yeah, down. absolutely. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Let, let's see what those numbers are like. Let's see what those numbers are like. And, you yeah. know, and, and again, how many people have been tested that in that state? Uh, you know, there's so much goes into it. You know, you can always play with the numbers any way you want. You could take those numbers and, and, and you know, and, and you know, Twist and turn the, the, you know, for whatever it is that you want, for whatever purpose you want these numbers to tell the public and to, to support your argument. And I think right. it's just ridiculous. Well, on the other side of uh, Carolyn Goodman is uh, Mike, uh, Matt Maddox, who is the CEO of Win Resorts. And he obviously has not spent all his time just uh, drinking uh, margaritas around the pool, but has actually put some thought into this and published a uh, an opinion piece in the Nevada Independent over the weekend and said, you know, obviously we need massive increases in testing and constantly monitoring the data, 
but he believes that there could actually be a, a, an eventual opening – uh, that the local economy could open in early May on the outskirts of town before a mass scale reopening, and then eventually by the end of May try to get the strip open as well. He has two big hotels in the Wynn and the Encore, and uh, mid to late May he said if they have the proper safety precautions uh, that, that they could reopen. So they're all discussing ways they can look at things. One of the things they mention is uh, – Thermal cameras at the entrance of these hotels, which would flag guests that have a temperature of of 100 or more, 100 degrees or more. Okay, uh, and again, uh, <laughs> you know, are you going to? They, I think they have to come up with one first. How they're going to have all these guests, uh, you know, be able to, to gamble? Then how are they going to assign them restaurants? How are the restaurants going to be? I mean. There's a lot that has to go into this, Big Dave, and I know that, and it sucks because you know we're all suffering financially from this and from you know being laid off or furloughed, whatever word they want to use for it now. Um, you know, I'd love for all of this to be true and to be able to happen. I just don't see it happening that soon. Yeah, we knew you need to use caution. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that are happening around the country here. And, you know, the, the official guidelines from the president who has, you know, listened to a lot of his advisors, to his medical people. At times, you know, he does pop off on certain, uh, you know, situations on what uh, a lot of people are referring to as the six o'clock follies starring uh, Donald J. Trump. But uh, he does listen to uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks a little bit here and there. And, and they have issued these guidelines for an eventual return to, to uh, normalcy. And, uh, you know, the different phases are based on having 14 straight days of declining hospitalizations, uh, you know, intubations and even deaths and to have like a, at least a pattern emerging that there, we could start to look at turning the corner a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, that's not happening in Georgia, and I want to talk about that when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line with Big Dave and Joe, just kind of talking about what's happened to the poker world since the coronavirus has affected the entire world. And uh, it's been tough. I know that everybody has missed the life that they lived before. Hopefully, we'll appreciate the things that uh, that we had at one time. And as we slowly get back to normal over the next uh, months and years, uh, we'll appreciate the things that we've had and that we will have once again, hopefully. But let's take a break. You can always listen to the show on uh, SoundCloud or uh, iTunes. You can download it on the uh, Poker Fuse podcast page. You could pick us up on the Holden Radio Network. A lot of places where you can get the show on a regular basis. We hope you enjoy listening in and we'll continue to do so. We'll have some guests uh, down the road a little ways. It's kind of tough to line some people up right now, but we will try to get some of these uh, big names. I'd love to have Daniel Negreanu on and have a chat with him for about 15 minutes. It would be excellent, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's, let's take a break here on the show. We'll be back after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. 
Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line as we uh, bring you another edition of the show. Uh, certainly we're all unhappy about not being able to do things we love to do. Uh, I mentioned Georgia, and for those people who haven't really listening, been listening to the news or what's happening, uh, the governor of uh, Georgia, Brian Kemp, who to me has to be one of the dumbest individuals who has ever led an entire state, he was the one that announced a few days ago that he just figured out that asymptomatic people cannot can uh, spread the virus. And, uh, you know, we've known that since January, but uh, he just found out about it a few days ago. Anyway, uh, he made the announcement that this Friday, and uh, maybe by the time you listen to this program, you'll be able to see what's happening. But they are easing the restrictions uh, of the shutdown, and the places he is allowing to open – uh, include uh, gyms and fitness centers, body art studios, of course, uh, tattoo parlors, barber shops, hair salons, and uh, other operations that are similar. And those are all, almost all those things are where people are touching each other, not just so non-social distancing factors, but actually have to touch their customers. Uh, and get this, bowling alleys. He's opening bowling alleys this Friday. So then those on Monday, he's going to add to that list theaters, private social clubs, and some dine-in restaurants. So this is a state that had – one month ago, they had about 1,100. It was actually 1,099 coronavirus cases. And then yesterday or over the weekend, they had 1,098, and these are each day. So they have really not changed and, and haven't found that 14-day de- decrease in cases. But uh, this is a guy um, that, uh, you know, he wants to uh, open these places. And I just don't see that, that how they could live through that, Joe. I, I, you know, I, if you want to see a place two weeks from now where there's a spike in new cases, I would say that a lot of them are going to be coming out of Georgia. Oh, I agree 100%, Big Dave. I, I, I don't know. Just you know, you scratch your head. Uh, I, you know, has he given a reason why he believes this not to be a serious, you know, situation? You know that he well, obviously thinks it's it's a minor inconvenience. Maybe he's treating this like I don't know. 
Well, he's one of those people that just says, uh, you know, we can't destroy our economy and our business life. And I understand that. That's a, you know, there needs to be some kind of happy medium here. And there will be a time for that pretty soon. But he says, uh, he says, don't worry. It won't be business as usual. He said, uh, employers will have to screen their workers for fevers. We're going to have to increase the sanitation, separate workstations by at least six feet and wear gloves and masks. But, I don't know. Once you get into Monday and the bars and nightclubs and amusement parks, uh, you know, I mean, not not the bars are not opening on Monday. I don't want to place that wrong. But certain restaurants where, you know, you try to regulate things, maybe put the tables a certain width apart. But what is the owner of a restaurant going to do when they have people lined out the door that are excited to be back to action? Exactly. You're is he going to keep them outside? That- that's exactly what you have to do, Dave. You're dangling that carrot in front of a horse, you know, uh, that, oh, look what's open, and it doesn't matter. Even if it's just a few restaurants, people are just, you know, self, self, self-containment at home for a month. You, you know the rush that's going to happen, and then what's good, what are you going to do with the people online outside? Yeah, the police are going to have a hard time containing. Apart? Yeah, going to have a hard time containing any of that. Exactly. Uh, Hey uh, Dave, South Carolina. Go ahead, Joe. Can I, can I get in on this for What's a second? That? I'm sorry. I'm just super excited to hear you guys talking about this. Uh, Joe Costello here. Uh, you know, history is littered with examples of situations like this. The great news is, uh, first of all, we should consider that maybe we're wrong. I do agree with you and what Joe said as well. I tend to be on the more cautious side when dealing with this situation. But in 14 days, we're going to start to know. If they open up on Friday, 14 to 20 days later, will there be a spike in North Florida around Jacksonville? We'll know. Like, this is the point. We'll know. Just like when they tried to set a record going across the North Atlantic with the Titanic, things ended badly. We know about it. Well, if... If in 30 days there's no pop in cases in North Florida and Georgia, you know, maybe they were right. And I'm open to that possibility. But that's not what I think. I think it's going to pop and we're going to have to retreat back to our homes again. And the people who sent us out prematurely, then they will be judged, I think. I don't think there's any political maneuvering that's going to get them out of that one. And uh, we'll just have to see. Well, the other thing, Joe, is that, uh, you know, there's this limit to uh, states making their own decisions, but everything is regional now. I mean, you've got people from Alabama and Mississippi that will be driving over to go to a restaurant or a gym that they've, uh, you know, been kept out of for months, and it's just going to spread, uh, you know, in a whole area, so it's going to be really hard to nail down exactly what's happened uh, with some of these places. Well, North Florida, Jacksonville Beach, those people, you mean to tell me that, you know, nobody's got anything over there? You can be, you cannot know you have anything at any point and have infected many people. It's just, I would be more cautious than those guys are being, but they're on the hook. They're the ones that are on the hook. They're making this call. They're choosing the economy, the normalcy over the safety and security, and we're going to get to watch it play out. I'll be uh, hanging out inside, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I have to – go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I – to be honest with you, I was having this discussion with with a friend of mine who called me earlier, Joe. Um, You're right. These people get a chance. You know, we we don't know what's going to happen. 
But I kind of mentioned that for our politicians, our governors, the the president, the mayors, they're in a no-win situation because if they open up, if they open it up and the numbers spike way up, oh look how you know you know how careless they were, you know how irresponsible they were, and if they hold on, look at how the economy failed. I don't I don't I don't see a way, a, a way out for any of for any of the political leaders who have to make these calls. Yeah, definitely. I when I when I pointed out uh, the, the state, some of the things they're opening on Friday. The the one thing that I thought was kind of humorous was the bowling alley. It's now I've got nothing against bowling personally. Uh, I probably haven't bowled in ten years or so. But I started thinking about it, and then I read a tweet. Someone said. Great. All these sports we're missing out on, and the first sport they bring back is one where people rent shoes previously worn by hundreds of other people and stick their fingers in a bowling ball that uh, everybody's had their hands in. Uh, so I had to laugh about that. That was a good line. But uh, I can see if they bring them back and try to use social distancing, they'll only bowl in every other lane, put in a little seat next to that uh, pop-up bowling ball thing that uh, sits right there at the beginning of the lane, and uh, a sign up on those uh, newfangled scoreboards that says uh, – uh, after every frame, please wash your hands for 20 seconds before rubbing your eyes or picking your nose. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, there's probably well, ways listen, to be safer, but that's crazy. What, what do you guys think over here now? I Listen, I've always enjoyed the draft, but I don't watch the draft. Now that we've been we've been absent of any kind of sporting event, the num- they, 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 they're saying that bookies, uh, you know, uh, are going to take the most action on an NFL draft that they've ever taken in the history of it all together. I'll tell you what, you're right. I'll be, I'm going to be glued to every second. I like. I, I, listen, I, I'd look at the first two or three picks. If my team was picking later on in the draft, I'd leave it alone and just check the ticker tape on the bottom every now and then. Now, now without nothing to do, I, I guess I'm going to be glued to those three, four hours of uh, the first round on Thursday. I like the prop yeah. bets. The prop bets are the best part. Like, what company will be the first commercial advertiser in the first break of the draft coverage? <laughs> right? Like, they, they, the prop bets for the draft. It's going to be the biggest gambling event of the year so far, which is uh, per, of the COVID year, of course. Well, hey, did man. You, did you hear yeah, the latest, uh, latest news today is... Uh, uh, the Patriots actually traded Rob Gronkowski to Tampa Bay to play with Tom Brady uh, this afternoon uh, for a fourth-round draft pick. And he's a guy who re- actually retired in March but said he would come back. The only place he would play would be Tampa. So things like that happen. All of a sudden, uh, the crafty Bill Belichick gets a fourth-round pick for a guy who was not even going to play football. <laughs> well, but Gronkowski has said he'd consider coming back. To so play with my Brady. guess is you ain't giving up a fourth-round pick unless you know he's going to play this coming year if yeah. we have football. Well, he'll play, but uh, I don't know. He's, a lot of people feel like he's shot, so we'll see what happens. But I think this is going to be a really crazy draft. Uh, I do think that Joe Burrow will go number one to Cincinnati. There was some talk that they might trade out of that spot. But uh, I think normally when you go into a draft, you can look at all these things, kind of slot guys in different areas. That's not going to happen this year. There's going to be huge trades and and a bunch of crazy stuff happening. You think there's going to be a lot of trades that they're talking about? I mean, especially the the, the experts, I should say, on ESPN are saying, well, those trades are going to have to be worked out by Wednesday night because – you know, you're not going to have that 
communication available to you like you do on a, on a regular draft. Yeah, that's a good point. You're not going to be there to talk in person and that sort of thing. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I know that a lot of people are shifting their thoughts. And uh, obviously we have a lot of excitement down here whether the Dolphins are, are going to be able to get Tua or maybe even move up and get uh, you know Justin Herbert or whatever at quarterback. But uh, there's certainly some excitement this year that I haven't felt in a long time for the draft. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like going, man, is it Thursday yet? Is it Thursday yet? I'm going crazy for the draft, and I'm scratching my head going, damn, you were never like this before. So, uh, But, hey, listen, any little form of entertainment, we're, we're, you know, sports fans around this country are completely starved for some sort of, some sort of sports. I mean, did you guys see on ESPN, well, I, I don't know if it was the Korean League or Taiwan League, uh, where they played a game and they had the robot band playing, and no. and then they were talking about another one where they they actually got into the first baseball brawl and the, the uh, sports announcers like going, they're not they're not practicing social fighting. I, I kept thinking <laughs> to myself, it would have been funny if they ran within six feet going, boy, if I was able to get over there, I'd kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, but but, you know? but but the WWE is an essential business in Florida, so uh, hey, you know. Yeah, I, I, are they keeping their their quote athletes, uh, you know, quarantined to themselves so that that you know, no one in the group gets it? Well, I don't know what they're doing, but I know that it was a financial uh, uh, favor from uh, his buddy uh, Ron DeSantis and uh, Trump, and uh, to keep that thing alive to protect some of their TV rights that are just astronomical contracts. Anyway, uh, I don't know how much fighting we'll see actually in the future, but. Uh, uh, they're not going to take the bath that they thought they were going to take now. Well, let me see. I've listened since since the first two weeks of this, you know, quarantine quarantine that we've been through. I always told people, I said, I go, you'll know when this country is going to start getting back to normal is once once they once they start allowing major major league sports uh, and fans into the into the stadium. By then, we will have had you know something major break. Uh, whether it's a vaccine, or some sort of cure, whatever, whatever it is, uh, because I mean, did you hear what the, what's his name, the the blasting from uh, the mayor of New York City? He's thinking, oh, very late summer or early fall, baseball can start. Uh, I hope he does realize that usually the season's ending by then. <laughs> I, yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah. Well, who knows what's going to happen with baseball? I, I would be very surprised to, to see them have a season, even with some of these plans they've been talking about of playing in Arizona and uh, just having, you know, no fans there. But we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get back to poker, though, because the word came out uh, yesterday that the World Series of Poker has been postponed. This is something we've been talking about for quite some time. And really, Joe, I don't think there's any way, uh, when you look at what's happening uh, out in Vegas uh, with all the casinos and much of the city completely shut down, uh, just the idea of cramming a bunch of people into a convention space, being in such uh, contact as we talked about earlier, and then all the travel that it draws. You know, I mean, you want to try to keep some of these people from different countries out. Uh, I certainly understand the reasoning behind that, but you know, actually, there's just a huge influx of people traveling into town, and uh, I don't think there's any way they could have had it this summer. I've I've been mentioning that for the last two or three weeks, you know, once everything, those numbers started spiking in New York, you know, I, I just said, there's no way we're having the WSOP. Um, 
I, you know, I, to be honest with you, I'm really surprised that it's taken this long for them to come to this decision. Yeah, like you I, said, I agree. financial, you know, for financial reasons, obviously, but I think that was still very irresponsible for all the dealers that live, you know, in different places of the country that come in just, you know, for those six, seven, eight weeks that they're there, uh, the people who had plans. Uh, I don't know. How much money do you think has already been wired to them from oh, people yeah. who are trying to avoid that, huh? Oh, yeah, I can imagine. It's got to be a huge nightmare. Uh, for those of you who don't you know, remember, yeah. it was uh, slated to start May 26th at the Rio and uh, be played through mid-July. So it has been postponed now. I want to make it clear that the announcement is it's been a postponement, not a cancellation, and that they are targeting holding the uh, World Series later in, in the fall. Now, there's lots of uh, logistics to be figured out about that. In a hotel, uh, you know, that has obviously holds lots of conventions and entertainment type things. Things will have to be shifted around, but uh, you know, they do want to play some online events. Obviously, in the interim, they've had, set up a deal with GG Poker, which is uh, great for players around the world who can uh, play on GG Poker. But uh, it does not accept not U.S. players, so uh, nobody there. You got to go to to uh, Canada to play uh, on those uh, WSOP circuit online events. But uh, we'll see what happens as far as resetting the dates. Um, there's been no word yet about any kind of modifications to the schedule. Obviously, we had over 100 tournaments planned this year. It's been uh, spiking up every year, the number of uh, tournaments that they put together, bracelet tournaments, including numerous online events. Now, they can still have some of those, but the problem with that is – uh, they're held on WSOP.com and are only open to people who are playing from Nevada, uh, New Jersey, and Delaware. So uh, that completely uh, cuts those fields down as well. So we'll see what happens when they make a decision. But they did want to get the word out that people should probably cancel their hotels and their flights and, and get set to uh, come later in the fall. Yeah, I'm, you know... And again, they didn't set any dates for that, correct, Dave? No dates yet. Uh, that's still quite a ways off. Uh, there was some early rumors that they would only host the main event, but I don't see how uh, you know that could work out for them. They need to have numerous events. Whether it will be the full schedule is uh, still to be to seen, but uh, uh, Ty, um, Ty Stewart, the executive director of the WSOP that made the announcement, said, you know, that they hope to achieve a traditional scale. So uh, there may be some cutbacks, but they still have a goal of having a large-scale tournament series and, uh, you know, obviously that would end in the main event. Now, they haven't canceled any of their other events that are later in the fall, the Global Casino Championship that was scheduled for uh, August at Harris Cherokee in North Carolina. That is still open. That's an invitation-only event. And then WSOP Europe scheduled for the fall in Rosvedov, Czech Republic. That is still on. So uh, they will turn to some online poker uh, for the WSOP.com for some of these events. But I think that they will try to push it off long enough when things have settled down a little bit that they can have a major scale event. Well, you know, it's funny how you mentioned it uh, when you were just making a comment, uh, Dave, that, you know, they only the main event. My mind started running like, like a poker room manager going, well, you know, you could probably have it with all the different conference rooms, you know. <laughs> you could really spread out the poker tables 
uh, enough so that it's only the people at the table wearing masks and gloves and, uh, you know, having an automatic shuffler because I don't believe dealers would be able to do that. But you know, from, from a management standpoint, you had my mind working there what you were mentioning, <laughs> what they were doing there. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but uh, I always thought that there was one possibility that what if they get really excited about it, put something together, and then people, maybe there's a, you know, in between that time, maybe there's a second wave, maybe there's a spike in cases, and all of a sudden you open and you hire all these people to deal uh, cards, and then nobody shows up. Yeah, well, you know what, I, I have a feeling that because of everybody going crazy, I think it actually would have enough. What did we have last year? Over, over eighty two hundred people was it? Yeah, something something like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, limited. You limit it to maybe the first couple of thousand, and just you know, work something out like that. But uh, again, the restrictions. You'd have to work out all the other all the other logistics that go with that. Uh, the dealers, how you're going to get them in there. Uh, making sure you test these players, whether they can play with a mask and gloves on sitting at the table. Like I said, there's a whole lot that's going to have to be thought about that you never even gave it a second thought in the past. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet today. Someone tweeted a picture. They said, you know, they don't want people wearing masks and, and covering up their face. Uh, and they showed a special mask that you could wear that was actually transparent. Uh, had, you know, not, not like a face guard that some of the uh, – that some of the nurses and the uh, ER physicians wear, but this was kind of like a thing that right over your nose and mouth, there was a covering, but it was transparent. So you could actually see the, the mouth movements and that sort of thing. Well, listen, uh, if they're wanting, to, wanting to, to bring people back like that, I'm sure the casino people, but we need our healthcare workers to have that type of equipment. Uh, but if they're able to get their hands on it, you know, I guess anything is possible, Dave. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're trying to come up with reasons for them to keep that casino open and to run a poker tournament. And uh, I just believe it's got to take a back burner to all the to everything else that's going on. Right, right. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, come back and uh, try to do a little uh, strategy thing. I know people still trying to work on their game, and, and there's only much, so much you can say about uh, what's happening with this virus. But uh, I'd like to come back and uh, finish things up with some uh, strategy session uh, from, your, from our good friend uh, Roy Cook, uh, actually a card article that we'll talk about. So let's uh, go ahead and take our uh, second break on the show. We'll come back and finish things up when we return here on Poker Action Line. Big Dave and Joe from South Florida, and we'll be back with more after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables, 
with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, as we uh, wind things down in another edition of the program. Uh, it's funny. I, uh, one of the comments that I thought was great uh, when they mentioned this thing about uh, Georgia opening up and they were going to open with barbershops and hair salons and that sort of thing. And uh, Don Lemon, uh, no relation, uh, from CNN said, uh, it's funny, he said, you know, with all the things that have been going on and all the sh- social distancing, saving lives, he says, people are out there saying, I can't stay home, I got to get a haircut. <laughs> Not a problem for you, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. What are you doing? Are you shaving your own head now or what? Yes, yeah, me. I've always been doing that. Yeah. That's I what I, letting my hair down, and it's just one. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, let's touch, as we usually do, toward the end of the show on uh, a kind of a strategy session. Uh, one of our favorite authors was uh, uh, a professional poker player. Uh, and uh, successful Las Vegas real estate uh, uh, salesman, broker, uh, Roy Cook, who has uh, since retired from uh, Card Player. But I found an interesting article when he talks about bluffing. And uh, as you know, Joe, it's you've got to have the skills for bluffing to make money because you're not going to always have the best cards. And if you can win hands without a great hand, then you're that much farther ahead of the game. So he talks about uh, uh, bet sizing in bluffing. And he starts off by saying, you know, he said, uh, players will fold different hands to differing bet sizes. And he said, if they have the nuts, they're not going to fold. But uh, if they're uh, either raise bluffing or folding, uh, sometimes they will, uh, they, will, they will fold to a really good bluff. So uh, you have to uh, take a look. And a lot of times their hand strength is not the only determining factor, he says. Uh, so... There's no value in assuming greater risks than you have to in order to accomplish the task at hand. So let's go to the hand. It was in a 2-5 no-limit game uh, with about 700 in front of him. Uh, He had two tight passive players limping to him. He said he raised to 30 on the button with 5-4 of hearts. He said, uh, they both folded off into preflop raises, and I thought I might be able to win that pot with a, with a big preflop bet. He said, if I didn't, and against these two particularly passive opponents, he said, a continuation bet bluff would have a high chance of success. 
So the first, uh, of course, he, he, he had the suited connectors, so he said maybe if he gets a good flop, maybe he held an even more important position. But the blinds folded. Uh, the first limper, which was about 550 deep in his stack, called him, and the other limper folded. So he took the flop just heads up with about $70 in the pot. Uh, the flop came down nine eight three two hearts, and so he had a, a nine of hearts, the three of hearts, and then the eight of diamonds. He said he had a small uh, flush draw, and uh, the other player checked to him. He bet forty as a semi bluff, which he called, and I, he said he thought his calling range included many draws, a small amount of one pair hands, possibly nine eight suited for a pay, for two pair. And then the turn was the six of diamonds. So uh, what do you think so far of this hand? He's in good position with that hand because now he's actually, he's he now has the flush draw and, and an open-ended straight draw. Now, granted, the seven is no is a real tough card because the ten will beat him on the top end. But if a deuce hits, I like, uh, you know, I don't know what his opponent did, you know, after the uh, turn card came. But I know I'd continue betting or raising, you know, if if that's what his intention was from the beginning, especially since he took that raise with the four or five. Okay, let me get to that then. The turn was the six of, of spades. Uh, he said, you know, he didn't put this gentleman on any 10-7 or 7-5 combination. So he didn't think he had the straight made. But uh, he didn't think the card improved his hand to a made one, although he said it might have strengthened some of his draws. So... The other player checked, and I briefly, and this is kind of the key to the hand, he said, I, I briefly considered betting, but uh, didn't see, perceive a lot of value in that. He said, there's a small chance he might fold if I bet, but while I might win a bigger hand, or a bigger pot, I should say, if I made my hand, uh, he w- I would also assume the risk of getting checked raised by his strong value hands and losing to his calling range. So I decided to go ahead and check the turn myself. Uh, he said it assured his equity, meaning that he could get to the river and acquire any equity his hand might contain. So should I get called or check raised, I might have just charged myself a cost I didn't need to bear. Uh, all in all, betting the turn was a good was uh, not a good option. So he did check the turn. The river came the three of diamonds. So basically, uh, it did pair up the board. He hit a blank. He hit a blank. But a blank for the most part. Uh, he said the passive player checked to me once again. He said, I didn't think I could get him to fold any of his pair hands without betting a massive amount. And since they were probably a small part of his folding range, uh, the additional amount I would risk to fold those few extra hands would be very great. He said he would fold all of his draw hands to any reasonable bet. And since I could even beat seven high, all his drawing range beat my holdings. So he fired $50 into the pot, uh, making the pot around uh, 150 and the player mucked. So it, the bluff worked. And, uh, you know, do you think uh, you would have considered that angle? Well, I would have. I would have. Place the bet out on on the turn, and but I do agree with that. Also, I mean, it all depends on your the opponent that you have there and what they're capable of doing once the river comes. You know, uh, you you continued bet. All he did was call on you. Um, you. You need to get a read on your opponent. Obviously, hopefully, you know what type of player that your opponent is. So, you know, he says he didn't have to risk it because he probably assumed that his opponent would call the turn bet. 
assuming that it didn't help his hand. So if his opponent had, let's just say, ace-nine or king-nine or ten-jack was open, he still would make that call on the turn. Now, a scary card comes on the river. His opponent checks. If he tries to bluff at this point, he's going to get called. He got charged for the turn card. Um, I don't see anything wrong with his strategy, but I think he probably would have gotten an extra, you know, an extra forty or fifty dollars in the pot if he had come out betting when that six, when the turn six hit. Right. Uh, he says, uh, when you're thinking about bluffing, he said you have, you need to analyze what hands in your opponent's range you're trying to get him to fold, and what bet size will accomplish that task. He said, uh, are you trying to get him to fold made hands or, or just withdraws? And uh, does the pot size merit a bluff based on a given bet sizing and the odds of success for folding either or both of his folding range, both sides of his folding range? So I guess one of the keys to that thought is, you know, he had identified this player properly as a passive player and that he knew he could get away without a huge major bet to get the guy to fold. Yeah, but a lot of times passive players, like I said, his last his last bet, his bluff bet on the river, um, just like he analyzed, uh, was to knock out any drawing hand that his opponent had. Because right. I honestly believe his opponent had a nine, you know, which would have topped the board. Okay, uh, would have been top pair on the board, or or if his opponent had played, let's say, an ace three suit and then caught trips, uh, caught three of a kind on on the river. Obviously, he's not getting him out of there. Right. You know, he he's trying to get out a hand that is that has no pair in it. You know, because he can't beat anything. He honestly cannot beat anything at this stage. The only thing he beats is someone having a four-two or a five-two in their hand. That is it, and uh, not even to be honest with you, the board would right. have played out. Right. Excuse me, the board would have played out with a nine-eight-six to two threes. So he's got no chance of winning this without a bluff, and, and the only way he can win this is if his his opponent hit a blank on the river and, you know, is not going to call with just any two cards in his hand. Well, that's what so, I thought the key was for him was uh, actually uh, checking the turn because it did give him a chance to uh, evaluate things with a with a river card. Well, and how, but it also sends like, a little message to your opponent, you know, now the three pairs – your opponent says, well, he definitely doesn't have a three, but it was maybe like saying, oh, he checked on the turn because he wanted me to come out firing. You know, he's got me completely trapped. He wants me to come out firing on the river. Now, at this point, with having position on the player, you know, people don't realize bluffing is a big thing, especially when you're, when you're in position. You know, when, when you can read your opponent and, and gauge his, 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 uh, body movements, his facial expressions, the style of play that they play that you, you're already keen on if, if you're observant. You know, having position on your opponent allows him to do what he did. Cause if he didn't have position on his opponent and had not seen that check, he may have just given up on that pot and not thrown any money in there where his opponent could have come over the top of him. You know, right, if the right, tables right. have been reversed, he comes out with the $50 bet, and now his opponent says, you know what, maybe he had ace-king in his hand. You know, now I'm going to see if he really has anything. He comes over the top and makes it 150 He just threw $50 away. 
he's he's you know obviously having position as as poker is a lot about you know allowed him to make this move right no question anyway i thought that was a pretty interesting hand and uh uh certainly um you know it's uh it's something that we need to keep thinking about our games and, and the things that we need to try and maybe incorporate our games when we get back to the tables. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a great time to work on your game, uh, you know, as far as learning on your game, picking up different strategies from different, you know, great uh, poker players. Like you mentioned, I believe it was, was it last week's show about Doyle Brunson Super System 2 and, right. you know, all the webinars that are out there, all the, the forums that are out there, you know, if you're serious about poker, okay, you may not be able to play as much as you wanted to, or you know, but there's there's no reason for you to stop learning and analyzing other people's techniques to certain situations, which is, for me, the best way that I have grown, you know, and throughout the years, you know, picking the mind, finding out why, they made these certain moves and, and then trying to incorporate them into my own game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, something to keep look at and something to think about. And during this time, we have plenty of times to get things done. I don't know how much you're getting done. You're cleaning out your closets and uh, uh, the car? No, my, unfortunately, my car is still filthy. My wife hates <laughs> my car. And I've, got, and I've got an OCD wife who loves cleaning, so... <laughs> My house is – she just wants me out of the way while she's cleaning. She says, I'll just make it messier, Dave. Yeah. So uh, I've been lucky with that. But, yes, we actually did take the first couple of weeks to straighten some stuff up and clean some stuff out. Um, and, actually, it looks like she's finally going to have to talk me into painting the, uh, the little part of the driveway. Uh, we've been lucky enough to fix everything and, you know – fix our backyard, uh, you know, due to a hurricane check that we got a, a, about seven months ago. So, yeah, just she's on me every day for something when I'm not out of the house. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I can't get out of the house quick enough, so there. Well, as we close the show, I just want to mention that uh, this charity event, uh, the online event that raised uh, final numbers, we're about $1.75 million, and a lot of it, uh, you know, came from the people running the game. But, uh, you know, it was won by Ebony Kenny. We talked about that. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck got a lot of their friends to play. Tom Brady, uh, now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, played along with a lot of big-name actors, including Jason Bateman, Brian Cranston, Adam Sandler, John Hamm, and, and several of those. Uh, really was a great tournament, and I think we're going to see more of that to benefit uh, these organizations like Feeding America that has done such a great job of taking people during this very rough time. Uh, Joe, thank you again for all your help. Joe Costello, thank you as well. Appreciate your con contributions to the show. And uh, we'll be back with another edition of Poker Line, Action Line next week. We hope you'll join us then. I'm Big Dave Lemon hey. saying so long, and stay safe, everybody. There you go. Stay safe, everybody. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.